Hello, my name is Dan Brown, and I'm here today again with another Lenses on Information Architecture. And today it is my great pleasure to talk to Jasmine Friedel. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me. Happy to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because um, I saw a talk that you gave probably three years ago now on self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And that is a uh, that is a, a a preach that I've been giving for a long time as well. That when oh, yeah? people, yes, when people ask what what is the key skill that people need to cultivate, that designers need to cultivate, I say self awareness. Yeah. Now I know why I say it, but maybe you can give us the I don't know two minute pitch on why do you think self-awareness is so important for designers and UX folks? Yeah, so that was a talk I did um, at Preet Singh's Design X community. And it was super fun because I got to really dive deep and do research on what self-awareness is. And I think, you know, the general idea of self-awareness comes from this like internal sense of self and like knowing yourself and who you are as a human. And I think what really hit me doing that research was self-awareness isn't really about seeing you as you see yourself, it's seeing yourself as others see you. Um, And I found this wonderful TED talk by a woman named Tasha Yurik who um, sort of did did research and and has data on this. Um, But the thing I think that really applies to a design practice, both in sort of the technical aspects of design and the development aspects of design is like, when you ship something, you're not able to tell your customers how they should see it or how they should experience it. It's sort of like a blind assessment. And the same thing is like who you are as a designer, who your skills are as a designer ends up being what you show to other people's, not what you think of yourself. And I just found that idea of like, if you can actually see yourself in the same way others see you in a skill context, that gives you the power to develop in almost anything. But if you only take your own assessment of of who you think you are as a designer and how good you think you are of a designer, you will get stuck. Can you talk to us a little bit about the role role of self-awareness in collaboration? This is an area that I particularly have a lot Mm -hmm. of interest in, in, and I still feel like here we are decades now into user experience. Yes, we're helping people cultivate self-awareness, but part of that is also helping them realize they need to get out from behind the computer. They need to get out from whatever they're using, Sketch or Figma these days, and work with others to develop the design. What role do you think self-awareness plays in that collaborative process, that collaborative mindset? That's a good question. I mean, I think I'd look at, you know, hey, what value does collaboration bring and why is it important? And I think, you know, we collaborate because things are ultimately better with diverse perspectives. And in, you know, design, we collaborate because designers play one role, but not the only role in product and experience development. Um, And so knowing that A, there's necessary partnerships and B, we need to get feedback through collaboration how does self-awareness play a role in that? I think, you know, 
for the first part, um, trying to think on the spot here for the first part, like why, why do we need diverse perspectives? Um, I think the self-awareness plays a role in just like <laughs> simply not putting yourself at the center of everything. Um, and we can apply that really practically when designers, you know, don't get customer feedback and design something that actually ends up not working for customers. And we're like, oh my gosh, why did that not work? Oh, did you do user research? Did you, you know, put it out in a beta? Like, did you get feedback? Oh no. Did you design from your own experience? Oh, you don't have the same experience of other people. And so I think that self-awareness of being able to say like, hey, I need other people's experience and all our, our cumulative cultivated experience make our, make our, um, make our products better. That's the one side of it. And then the other side is probably, you know, the self-awareness. I, 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 this makes me think of like the, um, the engineer and design, like struggle where, you know, engineers are builders and designers are designers, but designers want things built in the way that they design them. And engineers want things, you know, designed in the way that they want to build them. And like, it's, it's a struggle that often like junior, junior designers come up against. And I think that sort of like, self-awareness of stepping back and saying like, where great products come from collaboration in the sense of like great negotiations where both parties are able to bring their best, um, their best skills to the table and get the best outcomes. And it's the same thing It's stepping back and saying, you know, Hey, this isn't about me. This is about the collective skills coming together and how we can merge them in a way where, you know, we again, get the best outcomes possible. Uh, that's great. One of the things that I've noticed in terms of skill sets, in terms of some of the teams that I've had a chance to work with, mm -hmm. is and this is presumably a conversation about information architecture. And I'm wondering what mm -hmm. your experience has been uh, in the teams that you've managed over the years uh, in uh, that information architecture skill set or practice or field. Have you noticed that um, this is an area that people are, let's say, self-aware that they need help in? Is that, are they even aware that this is a thing that exists? What role has I played in your product mm. teams? That's a good question. Um, I mean, IA is essentially our, our systems of information and those can either be the, you know, how we've architected them for experiences, or it also can be, you know, how they're built. Um, and so I think that just probably directly speaks back to this idea of like built, designing and building things, and then understanding how those are architected in larger systems. And those can be, um, you know, the obvious, like, if I'm working on a, nav a navigational architecture, and I am a designer. And so I'm working on sort of how this whole system of a website works together. And I'm partnering with my engineering team who's building our engineering systems, which are data systems and um, you know, customer, customer systems and like all of these integrations that have to work together. But then I also maybe need to, need to think about maybe I'm just one product in a suite of product and how does that come together in you know this product with like Google is a great example where there's you know how does um, that one product architect into this larger global system of multi products and then there's like financial systems 
that, you know, how do we collect payments and how do we manage that and security systems and data privacy and all of those things. So I think like, I guess I, maybe this is just how I think, but I think of like all of what we do is some version of architecture and systems. And I actually think like in my experience and in my leadership, I won't even say that this is something that I've read at or I've seen companies thrive at because the, 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 the fastest way to work is independently. And that's why we see, you know, organizations set up so that they have small mobile teams. And that's, I, I think that's the actually, like it's the ultimate designer challenge is actually how to think of this in how to, how to think of these small things that we build quickly um, in terms of the bigger systems that they sit within. Do you see uh, designers not recognizing that? So just to tie our two threads together, uh, there's a need for structural thinking, there's a need for designing structures, uh, there's a need for understanding how your small part fits into a larger whole, and looking at self-awareness. I think designers, a lot of designers these days, are very much focused at that small level, that screen level, without seeing how everything fits together. Yeah, I actually have gone on probably a rampage or two. And by rampage, I just need a rant, not a real rampage. Um, I think I mean, I would kind of like to see (laughs) self-awareness rampage, too. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I think I, what I think, I think systems design is a bit of a lost skill. And I, I, you know, you look at the evolution of our industry and like, we don't call many people information architects anymore. And we don't call the practice information architecture as much anymore. It's different versions of this. It's UX, it, it's product design, um, it's UI that works with UX. Sometimes those things are interchanged. And so like, the, I'm sure there's, you've talked to folks about the identity of designers and have opinions on that. But I do, I do see, especially with junior designers coming up, the idea of systems design just gets confused with design systems, which, you know, of course, are these like ready to make components that, uh, you know, we invest in in order to scale quality and speed on our teams. But this idea of systems design is like really understanding ecosystems and how they work together. I do think that's a bit of a lost art. And so I remember um, I worked at um, Intercom before Dropbox. Um, and we were really exploring the idea of systems. And it was just watching um, two of my senior designers at the time, just like start reading on systems design and really getting energized by it. It was a reminder to me that this actually isn't something, at least in the in the companies I've been working with, which are like really true product companies, really true technology companies. Um, we are focused on it's 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 a sort of a values trade-off. We focus on speed over systems. So let's change gears uh, a bit. Yeah. One of the things I've been asking for, and maybe we've already had a bit of a preamble here, but one of the things sure. I've been asking folks is um uh we need to it, it we are long overdue, I think, for taking a new a new lens to user experience or to design or to I yeah. Is there there one aspect of our field that you think needs to be examined more closely? (sighs) (laughs) I mean, there's many, of course. Um, And we talked about this briefly before, but one of the things I've been thinking a lot is about people development. And the reason I'm thinking about this is is I care very, very deeply about 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. And my personal mission has really been around making sure that the next generation of product and design leaders is more diverse than it currently is. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the, the, the systems that companies and leaders are able to use in order to encourage equitable development. And one of the surprising things that I've had is that even at, you know, some of the bigger companies I worked for, like Facebook, the artist formerly known as Facebook, um, and some of the smaller companies I've worked for as well, like um, Udacity and Intercom, we just didn't have really great development scaffolding. And so I've taken a lot of time over my personal career developing that. It's actually quite good at Dropbox. I've done a bunch of iterations. Um, but I think that's that's one of the things my heart is set on is like in order to evolve the discipline, I think we have to get better at just the idea of setting up, you know, what good performance looks like. And that applies. And it's because it scales so well beyond just like, oh, somebody's not performing. How do I manage that? But from like when we bring folks in, when we hire them, what we look for, what we need based on the UX kinds of problems that we're solving, you know, how we evaluate people, how we shape our teams, how we promote people, and all of these things that actually like ultimately the practice is about enabling like we do UX because we we love the craft and we love the practice, but ultimately like people hire us to get business results, to get results for our customers, to drive business results. And I, I, I 100% think that just like, you know, great designers performing is the key to unlock that. I mean, great product managers and engineering too, but I think, I think the development process is something that our industry has not really demonstrated great expertise in. Is there... Um, there's been a lot of uh, inertia on sort of formal licensing, you know, yeah. user experience designers. And I'm not, obviously that's sort of one natural conclusion of what you're yeah. talking about. I mean, do you feel like, is this just more, um, more informal in, a, in the sense that we current design leaders need to get better at thinking through what development looks like? Or do you think there needs to be something at an industry or a field level? Like as you're as you're thinking through what development looks like, is your grand vision? This is something that can fit. Uh, this should fit across the whole industry, or is uh, Jasmine's scope of the current company sufficient for your vision? Oh, these are really good questions. Um, I I think that. I don't think that, so we, I've talked about, um, my husband, Tanner Christensen, and I had a podcast, and I think we talked about like boot camps and things like that, or certification. Um, and I, I think the answer is like, I actually spent a bit of, of time working in um, education, tech education, ed tech, and ed tech and tech ed. And I, I have believed very firmly that everyone's career path should be individualized to them. And so I don't have any like perfect, formula that I think that we should apply. But what I do have is, I think that applying design process frameworks to development is what every leader in every company or every manager should be able to do. 
And it's things like just basically like, how do you set expectations? Um, how do you know when those expectations are, are received? How do you develop pathways? Um, and then how do you, um, how, do, how do you hold people accountable? How do you, how do you give them feedback? Things like that. Is there also, uh, how do you test these frameworks and how do you iterate on them? So that's what, you know, we have a series essentially of users going through these development processes. I would imagine that part of the design approach is also making them better and better for every user that goes through it. Is that part of it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, I think the core of all of this is just like rubrics. Um, Johnny Birch, who uh, has progression.fyi has collected tons of great um, rubrics. Um, there's one from Peter Merleholtz and Snagaj I think from Snagajob. That's exceptional. Intercoms is really, really good. But like, those are the basis of what we do. It's like encapsulating at a level what is expected or for you in your job. And the idea is you take those through the process work that you do, the project work that you do, and you should be able to apply them. So if you're like, you know, if you're a junior designer who's trying to work on an onboarding flow, you can actually say, okay, look at my rubric. What is the expectation? Oh, the expectation is that I'm able to, you know, take an objective and apply it. And that's like, you know, problem framing at my level. I'm not writing it, but I'm taking it. And the expectation is that I collaborate. And I know that that looks like that I show up in critiques and get feedback on my work. And so you're, you're basically using this, this rubric to help you with your project approach. And I think, you know, so many times, especially with startups, you go in and those things just don't exist. And it's not, you know, they shouldn't, there's been nobody there. If you don't have your HR team together and you don't have your people team together, you're probably not going to have them. And that's okay. But what that leads to is like, people flailing because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And many folks, whether they've come in from a boot camp or, you know, have like a, a grad school degree in pro product design or UX, I don't even think those exist, but, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're still, they still come into a job and different jobs are going to have different expectations and that's okay. They just have to be articulated. So I think it's more about just like, within the context of a work setting, making sure that people know what's expected of them and then can it adapt and grow based on those things. So just to reflect this back to you, what you think is missing from our world or what we need to re-examine is the tools that we give leaders to help them create development frameworks, which maybe at their root are rubrics so that they can set and set expectations of their design team and also measure the development or the progress that someone is making through it. Did I get that right? Yeah. And I'd add, you know, for even, even for those places that do have them, I'm surprised how often, you know, a performance review will come up and somebody will be like, oh, I've never heard that expectation. Right. And you're like, it's right there. Like it's right. right there in your Google doc. Right. And they're like, oh, or they're like, oh, I didn't know what that meant. And so I, I look at those things as like, Employee, I mean, you know, when you're when you're in when you're in IC, when you're in UX or a project site, your performance is really important to you. Like it's kind of you know, it's your paycheck, whether or not you live for work or work to live. Like you doing a good job is what you come to do. Right. <laughs> and maybe you love the work you do, but ultimately, like nobody comes to work trying to do a bad job. Right. And it's like 
giving someone that understanding of what it looks like is just, it's, 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 it seems like a gift, but it should just be like table stakes. Like we all should come and be like, oh yeah, this is what good looks like. Okay. I know how to do this. Oh, I don't understand this. I should be able to go and ask somebody, but these, these rubrics, even when they are in place, it just seems like they're, they're a missed resource. And so either having them, it's, it's having them and implementing them or, or having them and or not having them and creating them and implementing them. But then it goes to like, how do you actively use these things? Right. Um, at what point in your career did you feel this absence most acutely? Was there a moment, uh, I mean, for all of these things, right, we sort of, they build up over time until they get to a point where we just have to deal with them. But I'm wondering if like, where did that process start for you? Where did you, in, where in your career did you feel the acute absence of this kind of development planning? Yeah, so I, I think it was actually at Facebook. So um, let's see, I was there from 2013 to 2018. So we saw tremendous growth. It was like 4,000 to 40,000 people at that time. And I joined a team of like 35 designers, which is now hundreds. And I remember like when I was in IC, looking at sort of like what it meant to get from senior to staff. And we had like basically paragraphs at the time, you know, just paragraph of these four things. And I, I, I think I was hoping to go up for promotion like three or four different times. And every time it was just like, oh, this isn't quite it. This isn't quite it. And I was taking this paragraph and applying it. And the sort of advice I would get was things like, oh, more like this person. And I'd go, okay, well, I'm not that person. So, you know, how, how do I actually like articulate that in a way that applies to the work I'm doing, which at the time was uh, an internal edu or not internal, it was a, it was a side project, it was an education platform that didn't apply to any of Facebook. Um, and so I think that was the moment where I like, I recognized how hard it was, especially at more senior levels to get past these points if those pictures weren't clear. And so then um, I transferred with the project to Chan Zuckerberg Initiative and, and they didn't have a design team. I was one of the, you know, I came over as one of the first designers and one of the first des design leaders there. Um, and I ended up, you know, leading my team through writing these and writing these so that we could recruit the right kinds of skills as we were building a team from scratch, writing them so we could do performance evaluations and all of those sorts of things. And so I think going through that experience of just like personally seeing how unclear they were to being able to say, hey, I want to make this better for the folks that end up working for me and for the companies I leave behind. Um, that was probably my, my turning point. So now we get to the point in the conversation where I share a preconception that I have and a long-held assumption that I've okay. had about user experience and IA. And I ask I'm ready, you- I'm ready for it. <laughs> I, I ask you to do, you know, labor on my behalf. So okay. basically it's right. the Dan, the Dan therapy part of the okay. session. Okay. But it's funny, I've got a lot of preconceptions about IA that uh -huh. deal with kind of some of some of the sort of underlying um what uh principles of design. I've okay. got I've got a number that deal with sort of a, a handful that deal with sort of the management of information architects. But I, okay. throughout, this, throughout this conversation, I've been trying to think of, I've been using one part of my brain to try and think of sure, sure. what is a 
uh, assumption that I have that's relevant to what we're talking about, to the development okay. of information architects or to designers uh, as um, uh, who do information architecture. And I'm, I'm talking now to kill time to try and articulate what I'm getting at. But I feel like let's maybe look at a rubric. Okay. And let's ask ourselves, is information architecture on that rubric? Because my assumption is that every designer should be familiar with and should be able to do, as you called it earlier, systems design. And yeah. maybe that is not a fair assumption that I should have. What do you think? I I like that assumption and I would like to go with it. Um, I think, you know, when I, I, I am a huge fan of Dropbox's rubrics because they are um, scalable. They work across product, across engineering and where they differentiate is craft. And so you think about all the things we look at like impact and communication and collaboration, like everybody that we work with should be doing those things. In, the, in relatively the same way at the same level. But when we look at things like craft, that's where we specialize. Um, and so like strategy, for example, is not explicitly a design um, expectation. It's a general, like anyone on a product team, content, you know, research, um, product, engineering, data, we can all contribute to strategy. Uh, but when I look at sort of the things of craft that make a designer really, really unique, I think information architecture is there. And I'm not exactly sure, like, if there is a shared framing on that. I think systems thinking is one of that. I think it just generally often falls under, you know, sort of that um, UX or interaction design, which interaction design in itself is so confusing because interaction design isn't micro interactions. Like, it's... It's about, you know, it's UX, it is what UX is. But, you know, as, as folks come up in, in different kinds of programs and see more modern, you know, like app development and things like that, it really starts to feel more like just like how things feel rather than, you know, what is the underlying structures beneath them. And so I, like, when I look at this across across levels, which I think good, the reason the reason I love rubrics is, you know, they, they start, it's not just like you need to have these things. It's like, here are these things and here's what they look like in practice at this level. And so a good rubric will have sort of a stair step or a slope upwards towards, you know, when you're a junior, you need to have, let's say, visual design chops. They're going to be different than, you know, our staff designers, visual design chops. And so how do we create that I'm using my hands to like show that slope, but like, how do we create, forget we're just, you know, audio, how do we create that pathway? And so when I look at something like information architecture or systems, it's like, I just think of scope. I think of scope and scale. And so the idea of systems could be something like, you know, understanding how to apply design systems. That is part of the system, but it also might be understanding um, what are other examples of systems that I might expect a junior designer to look at? Maybe even like systems of users, 
Um, you could think of those in, in rotating and, you know, engaging and, and overlapping. Um, and so some of that may be in not necessarily, or basic, you know, basic architecture, basic page architecture, basic app architecture, things like that. Um, and it might be more on the lines of like, you know, internalizing, being able to intake and replay for a junior rather than a senior designer where we're going to expect them to like work with the most complex systems or the most complex architecture and be able to, you know, evolve that and refine that and design for that or reinvent that. And so I think there's probably a scope change on as that level goes up, as well as a like, what is the actual action that's taken? I spent some time um, as I'm writing some of these articles that I'm going through, I, I spent some time writing words that I think apply to juniors versus seniors. And it's like, when I look at juniors, it's like they're internalizing, they're applying, they're intaking, they're replaying, they're receiving, they're implementing, they're accepting and responding. But then when we look to senior folks, like they're contextualizing, they're adapting, they're setting, they're refining, they're creating and executing, soliciting and compounding. And it's just, it's a different act on a bigger thing. That was fantastic. And Jasmine, I think we will leave it there. Thank you so much okay. for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me chat.